jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Arts and culture. Style Philosophers with Michael Paris is sponsored by The Bubble Collection, a fragrance collection that's genderless, ageless, and boundless. Scents that are so light, they'll just tease the air around you and others. Break out of your bubble, where you can dream, wonder, and create harmony. For more information about The Bubble Collection, go to thebubblecollection.com and follow them on Instagram at thebubblecollection. Ladies and gentlemen, Style Philosophers with host Michael Paris on jasoncharles.net. Hello and welcome to Style Philosophers on jasoncharles.net podcast network. I'm your host, Michael Paris, and thank you for joining me. In this program, I have a most famous guest, from the world of cool, sophisticated, glamorous music. One of Australia's most sought after composers, musical directors, and virtuoso percussionists, Dan Fontaine. In this program, we will be exploring the style of soundtracks through Fontaine's music. A soundtrack is not only used in film. If you think about it, most of us have a soundtrack to our lives. If you have a playlist or several of them, you have a soundtrack. Together, we will be exploring uh, this unique stylish artist whose aesthetic is compelling in everything he touches. We will be listening to Fontaine's works and discuss with him why orchestrated music of certain composers stand the test of time and touches us so deeply. By the way, in the background, you're hearing his version of Candlelight and Crystal by Henry Mancini. I'm hooked and obsessed with this music and the elevated production level it has. Dan Fontaine and his orchestra bring a lush cinematic sound reminiscent of the 60s and 70s into the 21st century, combining contemporary beats with retro symphonic sound, twinkling piano, sweeping violins, and luxuriant horns. Dan Fontaine and his orchestra exude sophistication and glamor from a bygone era. He is indeed a style philosopher. From Sydney, Australia, hello, Dan, and welcome to Style Philosophers. Hi, Michael. How are you? Thanks for having me. My pleasure. You know, during this podcast of the style of soundtracks, our listeners will experience and enjoy some of your most beautiful music. Uh, we hope to connect the dots between talent, your talent, emotion, fantasy, and escape. Uh, we're going to take uh, you through a journey through your catalog of music and talk about what you've done, your most recent collaborations. But before we go into that, uh, let's learn a little bit more about you and your background, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Uh, Dan, I'm thrilled and honored to be able to take this first musical journey uh, on our podcast with you. I'd like to set the mood of this program by playing one of your songs for our listeners. What would you like to play to introduce us to your work? I think Champagne and Quail is a good starting point. Uh, Henry Mancini, I think it kind of encapsulates the idea of a sophisticated party. So let's have a listen to that.
gosh. That certainly set the mood. Uh, you know, your background is fascinating. How did a virtuoso percussionist end up as a musical director that creates the kind of luxurious music that we just heard? Tell us a little bit about your background. I studied uh, classical percussion and originally marimba and vibraphone and orchestral percussion was my forte. And I, I went from, from playing percussion to orchestrating for a group that I was in called Aston. Uh, so that's when, when I kind of taught myself to orchestrate with a bit of help from kind of teachers and that sort of thing. But I, I went into orchestrating this kind of music because it's just the sort of music that I enjoyed when I grew up. Um, and you just never really hear it these days. Um, and I do a lot of kind of corporate and private events and they're always looking for something interesting and high-end so it, it kind of came from a bit of demand in the market and wanting to do something that I grew up listening to. When you were growing up, uh, what was playing in the house? Did you come from a musical family? Uh, my parents listened to a lot of music but didn't play any music. Um, anything from kind of Jimi Hendrix to Nirvana to opera, the Beatles, um, and a lot of jazz so I listened to a lot of music depending on kind of the mood. Uh, every kind of Saturday morning we would have, it de depending if my mum was in charge of the stereo, it would be kind of <laughs> Bob Marley. Whereas if it was my dad, we'd listen to someone like Bob James. I don't, I'm not sure if you remember Bob James. Of course. Yeah. Um, that's, so that sort of music as well um, really inspired me. Because it all, it's all sets a mood, and that's I think that's what I loved about that sort of music is the mood and atmosphere that comes from it. It's true, and you know when did you realize that you loved this particular genre of music, uh, this lush, some you know orchestrated symphonic music? Uh, I think in later in high school, I think uh, at a, around five o'clock at home we would have wine time and we would play kind of henry mancini um so drinking wine and i'm not sure if i'm supposed to be drinking during high school but that <laughs> 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 was just kind of the family we had um so we had listened to kind of the henry mancini music so it just kind of reminds me of of those those times very interesting. You know, um, more importantly, you know, your music connects to people now. When did you feel that you had a connection with your fans? And when did it hit you that uh, they loved your music? What started that? Um, I think when my dad became a fan, that's when you kind of know that you're onto something good because he's the biggest kind of, not not a critic, but when he really likes something, he really likes something. And then when I started sharing it, it's, it starts with just friends and family and they, they really like it. And I think when I, when I realized it was when people were listening to it in their own time freely without having to listen to it to support me, I think. So, and then strangers would start to follow you on Instagram and say, I love your music. 
I think that's that's when it kind of. I always knew that it would happen because it's such likable music. So it's more of a matter of getting it to as many people as possible in front of people. Indeed. Was there a song that you think really started the whole thing? Uh, Lujan, for sure, I think, is, is, this, is the song that just kind of really... It, it's the just... It's so lush and so beautiful, and it just reminds you of the south of France. So I think I think that's probably my favorite. Let's go there right now. sexy jet set i mean i just can't take it you know that this is the song uh that i first heard uh that introduced uh me to you and it was during the onset of you know the pandemic actually it was like april 2020 where things were so grim and so terrible I started listening and started looking uh, at Henry Mancini uh, and Lou John came up and your version came up and I listened to it and I was crazy over it. And I have to say, your music carried me through the entire summer, you know, in the New York metro area, just transporting me somewhere fabulous and dreamy and just, you know. Uh, it was a complete escape and I escape a yeah. lot through music. It really I love that. helps yeah. me. So not only is your music, you know, glamorous, but it's to me extremely therapeutic. So, yeah. um, <laughs> and of course, Henry Mancini, I mean, of course, how could you not escape? You know, yeah. tell us a little bit, you know, we're, we're mentioning composers now. What, uh, you know, what composers uh, or soundtracks have inspired you and helped uh, you to develop your sound. Do you have a favorite? Um, Henry Mancini, definitely. Um, but I love kind of the impressionists, the French, uh, the French impressionists like Debussy. Um, and I also love film composers like John Barry and Jobim, the the Brazilians. Of course, um, more glamour. Yeah, more yeah, Latin absolutely. glamour. It's like and soundtracks too. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, John Barry. You know, probably composed uh, one of the most glamorous songs. One of my personal favorites, a, an obscure track buried in the soundtrack of Midnight Cowboy called Fun yeah. City. Uh, which is just so glamorous. It's unbelievable. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Uh, he also composed the, the beautiful, sexy, sultry uh, theme from Body Heat, which was just outrageous. You know, yeah. all you know, there are certain composers j- that are just magnificent at glamorous yeah. music. You know, Michel Legrand uh, from the original yeah, Thomas Crown Affair. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
Jerry Goldsmith's Chinatown, yeah. uh, France Waxman going way back where the, oh yeah, yeah. Like the whole score to a place in the sun with incredible Montgomery yeah. Clift and Elizabeth Taylor, you know, kissing, <laughs> you know, Rolling uh, around on the beach. Oh my God. It's just unbelievable. Philadelphia story and Peyton place, all of those, oh, but Henry that. Mancini by far just really, whether it was a motion picture soundtrack or uh, a TV series, this guy yeah. knew how to he really glamorize, got yeah. you know, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me that you would really gravitate to him for sure. Yeah. Let's play uh, another uh, cut of yours that sort of uh, is a, uh, uh, an homage to uh, Mancini. Well, what would you like to play? I know you have a lot in your catalog. Uh, Sally's Tomato from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Let's do it. see Audrey Hepburn in that and you know uh, his music really uh, conjures up a lifestyle he was so yeah. creative uh, and it was a lifestyle aesthetic that we were living through yeah. with music um, film or uh, or life soundtracks not only provides us emotion but it's it does complete an aesthetic of a vision uh, yeah. It's clear you have a lifestyle vision. Uh, that's obvious. Uh, I've watched your videos. I follow you on social media. Talk to us a little bit about your personal passions and your aesthetic. I love sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> I love color. I love gold. I think I, I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm a little bit more mature with, with my style. I tried to do too much when I was younger I think and I think I've kind of simplified it um, and got it down to kind of a uniform there's kind of nothing worse than feeling I know I know it's popular to say you can never be overdressed but I think you can definitely be <laughs> overdressed for certain situations um, I, I think you can get away with a lot more with just an expensive haircut and um, a nice t-shirt rather than going a bit too too far so yeah i think i love whites and blues and anything that kind of reminds me of summer and what about your home your, your what about your, your living and your i love uh i have my house is full of palm trees and flowers i've got hydrangeas sitting up on my piano right now um i love creams and whites and just fresh clean kind of vibe I went through a bit of a Victorian age, uh, but I came out of that and and more into a <laughs> mid-century vibe. 
<laughs> and what about this whole like jet set uh, sort of glamorous south of France to Rio, uh, wherever the the uh, a jet yeah. can take you, uh, Capri or yeah. wherever. It just seems that your music transports us to yeah. these places. Do you have a passion for travel? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it came through cinema. A lot of my the way I look at life is through a very cinematic uh, lens. To Catch a Thief by Hitchcock was one of my great, one of my favorite movies, and still is. And it just reminds me of that that South of France kind of vibe. So yeah, I I love travel. I I love meeting interesting people uh, from all walks of life. Terrific, with great style. Let's play another song that we feel captures that aesthetic. Uh, what would you like to play next? Uh, slip into something more comfortable. What a fascinating song to choose. What's the background behind that song? It's actually from From Here to Eternity, the kind of opening theme to it by Ingelbert Humperdinck, huh. uh, just who is also one of my, my favorite kind of singers. And he has an incredible aesthetic and sound that, that reminds me of times with my family and it just reminds me of the the riviera in summer let's cue that up it's so interesting when I hear your music you know it's it has your own touch to it but you haven't changed it so much where you've cheapened it or you've made yeah. it into quote-unquote lounge music you know I yeah. hate that That's, yeah. term lounge yeah. music when uh, when yeah. I hear your music earlier in the introduction I had mentioned that I'm obsessed with the quality you know the level of quality that is part of your arranging as well as production and it's really yeah. obvious that you you really do love these compositions and yeah. you know uh you know is there a formula that you like to to use or when you sit down and take an amazing composition how do you make yeah. it your own yeah well that's probably the, the hardest thing because it's so easy for something to sound like a, a cheap backing track uh, if if you don't kind of put a lot of time into to creating it how you want it to be so i want to keep that that 60s and 70s vibe but add a bit of freshness and a bit more hi-fi to it um so i usually keep all the the string sounds and the horn sounds very um lush and full um but i i put um tape kind of compressors on them to to make them sound a, a bit like a record 
um, but have um, bits and pieces of percussion and synth sounds coming through that don't have any effects on them and then others that like a guiro that has an effect on it that sounds like it's come straight off a 1940s record um, so it just takes a lot of time just kind of sitting and letting an idea kind of marinate it could take years for it before you realize that you you don't have exactly what you want like it, there's a triangle in it that just grates on you and then you take it out and it changes the whole song so i mean it's it takes a lot of listening and listening and listening and then going back to to edit to make it sound how you want it to sound i would say you're a little obsessive uh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't think I was, but I think I probably am. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. You know, it's so funny. I see you in in your videos, not only conducting and arranging, but you're yeah. you're also playing. Do you enjoy that as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the whole performance aspect of being with the orchestra. I can play. I can be playing percussion and then conduct and then switch to piano and. It's just about engaging not just the audience, but my players as well, and just having fun with them. I loved watching those TV kind of um, performances with like Sinatra, and he'd have his big orchestras there, and they just looked so good and sounded incredible. So I just wanted to kind of recreate that. Oh, yeah. You know, Nelson Riddle and his, yeah, and his band or Count Basie and yeah. his orchestra. Oh, my gosh. All in black tie and just swinging yeah, and... Uh, you know, oftentimes the arrangements were just as famous as the vocalist. Yes, you you absolutely. would sing along to the arrangement, uh, yeah. or you would know when the trumpets were going to yeah, uh, yeah. to hit, or you know Nelson Riddle's build to like this crescendo, and you always sort of waited for that. So yes, it was yeah. really interesting. You know, you mentioned your orchestra; uh, they're young, they're talented. Where the heck did you find such? beautiful orchestra members you know when i first watched your videos i said oh these are all actors and actresses no and then i actually noticed that they were really playing actually so playing, yeah. who are they uh where did you meet and how did you assemble your orchestra and how are they so damn good looking <laughs> well they're actually just friends i went to uni with or went to school with so i just have kind of employed my best friends to kind of play along with me they all kind of get the aesthetic they love they love playing the music and they get into the mood of being able to dress up because a lot of classical gigs it's just very dowdy black black tie and that sort of thing um so they enjoy that they actually get to you know wear makeup and do their hair and wear a, a beautiful gown or tuxedo so yes. it's kind of a, a joy to be able to to dress up and play yeah, and it, it just, you know, and I would imagine just affects their performance. I mean, yeah, you know, absolutely. they're they're full on. They're they're living it. They are playing yeah. the instruments of this incredibly glamorous music. So um, yeah. everybody should be checking your videos out on YouTube. That's yeah. for sure. Um, let's play another song that captures that spirit, that glamorous uh, spirit. What, what would you like to play next? I think Dreamy, um, again, by Mancini. Um, beautiful really takes you takes you there let's do that
so ready for a cocktail right now. I can't, <laughs> I can't even tell you. You know, uh, we were talking earlier about being perfectionists and obsessing, yeah. you know, laboring over every choice and detail that goes into their final creation. Yeah. I know you're obsessive, you know, and there are certain other people, musicians, other artists that are completely ob obsessive. Steely Dan comes to mind. Again, yeah. they're a group that I don't even consider them a group. I consider their music an aesthetic. So yeah. how obsessive are you with all of this? I mean, when I think about it, probably very obsessive. I mean, not just with the music as well, but when I'm performing, I have to have brand new silk socks. I have to have my favorite perfume on. I have to have a brand new shirt. If I feel like I have one kind of item of clothing that doesn't feel fresh, then I, I'm very kind of um, superstitious. <laughs> so I have to have, I have to feel good while I'm performing as well. So I think I am probably very obsessive. And yeah, in terms of also listening to the final product, I listen to it for on repeat for hours and hours and hours before I send it off to be mastered. And then when it comes back mastered, it's absolutely perfect because I use one of the, the best mastering engineers, um, Leon Zervos, who's in Sydney. He's, I mean, he has done everything from Rihanna to Maroon 5. He even mastered the Macarena. I mean, he's just <laughs> an, an absolute icon. Um, so I trust him with my mixes all the time. So yeah, I think it, it has to be absolutely perfect because if I listen to it and I hear the slightest thing out, it'll just completely ruin it for me. Wow. So you really, really right down to what you're wearing, the scent yeah. you put on when you're in the yes. recording studio, yeah. all of that. And being superstitious, you know, I could relate to that too. I mean, yeah. there are certain things that are, are my little touchstones that I need in yeah. order to, to motivate me or give me that, yeah. you know, sort of subconscious confidence. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, I think all creatives uh, share that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of your, uh, the vocal work that, uh, that has been done by you. Yeah. You know, you feature on one of your songs, this vocalist uh, named Barry James. He's yeah. a Scottish singer songwriter from Glasgow. How yeah. did that collaboration happen? And how did you decide on selecting the song A Day in the Life of a Fool? Uh, it's such a sweet, disparaging bossa nova yeah. by Louise Bonfa. Yeah. How did that all, how did that all come about? I love that track. Uh, Barry, I was a, fa a massive fan of Barry for a long time before he even knew I existed. He was the partner of uh, Lana Del Rey, who is an incredible singer in the US. But they did a, a version of Summer Wine, which I absolutely loved. And so I started following him on Instagram and he, he approached me and sent me one of my songs and said he absolutely loved it and wanted to do something sometime. Um, and I had just gone through a horrible kind of breakup. And I, I think that's why I chose A Day in the Life of a Fool, because I think I probably felt a little bit foolish at the time. So it was, <laughs> it was very therapeutic for me to, to be able to work on that song with someone like Barry, who just has the most incredible, rich, deep voice. Terrific. I'll tell you what, uh, let's you and I go into some group therapy right now and listen to a day <laughs> in the good. life of a fool.
His voice is so perfect for that oh, song. It's, so it's yeah. unbelievable. It really is. Uh, a real direction there. And speaking of musical direction, uh, do you find yourself moving into something new? Is there a new direction for you? Where do you see yourself going next? I'm working on boss, more Bossa Nova Great. tracks at the moment. Bossa Nova is probably one of my favorite genres. It's, it's a sort of music that just puts you in a good mood any time of the day so i would usually wake up and have coffee listening to like a stan gets gets album or jobim um standards i made a playlist of all their music a, a long long time ago and would just put it on as soon as i would wake up and it just this it's just so happy and positive and incredible so i th i think i want to do more bossa and then yeah well, that's great. I mean, bossa nova, you know, is a style that's provided many of us with that oh, too perfect soundtrack to yeah. summer vacations, cocktail parties, alfresco dinners, yeah, absolutely, and of course, you know, steamy romantic rendezvous. So <laughs> it's really, it's quite the music. It is quite yeah. the genre, and I'm very excited also that you are giving me the opportunity to play a world premiere of Dan Fontaine's version of a Antonius Carlos Jobim tune called Triste. Here's a world premiere right now. You know, you've always sort of paid homage to Bossa Nova. In your collection, uh, you've had recordings like Once I Loved, another Jobim yeah. uh, glamorous piece. How did you come about that? Again, uh, this year has been um, a year of heartbreaks, I think. So probably more therapy. <laughs> uh, it's just such a beautiful song. And this is just an instrumental version, but the, the version with Sinatra was just so incredible the english translation so yeah it was just a song that helped me express how i was feeling at at the time well let's express with you once again once i loved here we go <laughs> Thank you. 
such a beautiful song and again so it makes glamorous. me a little bit sad hearing it <laughs> how, how funny it makes you sad and yeah. year, years ago when i first moved to new york i used to uh produce fashion shows and i used to work on music for shows and yeah. i remember picking that song with the designer carolina herrera uh, oh, wow. in one of her first collections at the oh. at the Plaza Hotel in New York and wow uh, that was that was the fun, uh the finale to her yeah. one of her sh one of her shows but oh, uh so amazing. it really puts you at, music does take you back to that yeah. mood you were in or where you were or yeah what part of life you're in that's so yeah. magical and yeah i mean uh, at the time you don't you don't think of it as particularly profound but then when you listen back through music it brings up so many different feelings everything from the heat or the you know the temperature the smells in the air if the jasmines were in bloom or what you were wearing it. everything just comes back it's true it's you know it's food and fragrance and music yeah. those are the things that really evoke emotion and memory yeah. it's just phenomenal so um getting back to vocalists uh i noticed that there's a new track that you've released called hawaii as a new vocalist and it's a little bit different than some of the things that we've listened to talk to us a little bit about this uh track that you've recorded and uh introduce this vocalist to us yeah so this is a kind of a bossa nova version of a reggaeton track by maluma who's a very famous colombian pop star like currently mm -hmm. so i've i got a friend of mine called manuk who's an argentinian living in sydney to sing on the track um so it's a little bit combining the bossa nova with pop to engage a younger crowd and get them kind of interested um, in the aesthetic and the sound um, and hopefully from this track they can go to listening to something like Once I Loved which they may not have ever heard before exactly let's listen to it now Hawaii Deja de mentirte la foto que subiste con él diciendo que era tu cielo Bebé yo te conozco también sí que fue para darme celos No te diré quién pero llorando por mí te vieron Por mí te vieron Y déjame decirte Sé que te trata bien que son caballeros Pero eso no cambiará yo llegué primero Sé que te va bien pero No te quiere como yo te quiero Puede que no te haga falta nada Aparentemente nada Hawaii de vacaciones Mis felicitaciones Muy lindo el Instagram Lo que posteas Talk about elevating this type of music i mean what a great combination you know yeah. an orchestra behind you know a pop tune like that it's yeah. just pretty great i have to say people know quality you know and i know that we're all living through difficult times with the pandemic whatever but you know music in my opinion these days it's an epidemic 
Yeah. <laughs> no, and honestly, um, and hopefully listeners, when they see that, wow, there is something out there with real music, real instruments, yeah. a voice that doesn't have to be auto-tuned. Oh my God. Yeah. And that will turn them on to like, well, who is this Dan Fontaine? And then they listen yeah. to something uh, for the first time. I watch a lot of reaction videos and I'm always taken by these young kids that listen to something magnificent for the first yeah. time and how emotionally they're moved by it because yeah the they didn't know of, it was there yeah exactly it's a first and they they've discovered something that's just opened a whole new part of yeah. life to them yeah absolutely another vocalist that you you worked with uh, there's another song that's about to premiere and i'm happy to introduce this to our audience a song that all of us are probably familiar with uh, Fly Me to the Moon, of course. Yeah. And uh, tell us about the featured vocalist on this track. So this is a friend of mine, Regan. Um, she's an Australian with just the most incredible voice. Um, and I was looking for different ways to get her to, for us to collaborate. And after Doris Day had died, I was listening to her catalog and I heard this version of Fly Me to the Moon. Um, and I, I thought it would be a great song for us to collaborate on. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it works. Let's hear it now. seductive voice just magnificent and again you know you've uh, arranged fly me to the moon with a, a whole bossa nova twist there yeah. so yeah. i'm so grateful that you were able to allow uh these uh these these premieres on our podcast uh, oh, uh of this music it's just amazing i wish i could give you an award and uh speaking of <laughs> speaking of speaking of awards weren't you were you nominated for an emmy or did you win an yeah. emmy or no i didn't win i didn't win <laughs> well, but tell um, me about that what how did that uh, happen i collaborated with um a, a well-known choreographer called travis wall uh in the u.s for it was a choreographed piece on dancing with the stars this was going a a few years back i can't remember maybe five or six years back okay he has since gone on to actually win some emmys um unlike me but one one day of course you will 
but I, I did the music for him for it. Good, good. You know, it's so inspiring listening to your music and I just can't wait for uh, me to be able to go on and purchase more and more of it uh, as you release it. So please don't obsess too much uh, more on some of those uh, recorded tracks and by all means release <laughs> those, you know? So uh, okay, it's okay. been great fun talking with you today. Finally, I, I wanna ask you a question that I ask all my guests yeah. and um, Dan, what is your style philosophy? Uh, in terms of aesthetic, I think something that fits classically, um, something that fits well, I always accessorize with nice shoes, sunglasses usually, um, but also I think a, a lot comes down to attitude and self-esteem and the way you carry yourself. I think that's the most important out of everything is having a healthy self-esteem without being arrogant. And I think being humble in many ways and warm to people and interested in other people, I think that it's more important to be remembered as someone who was interested in in someone it's a whole you know myriad of 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 things from the way you dress to the way you treat people and the way you smell <laughs> I think that's terrific. And what a, an empathetic way to approach a style philosophy. And it's so refreshing yeah. after coming off of a narcissistic period. So uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, I would like to uh, musically close with another premiere, a bossa nova uh, track of the classic Antonio's Carlos Jobim's Wave. know, Dan, here on Style Philosophers, we focus on guests like you who have uh, shared one thing in common, a bold aesthetic and a unique style philosophy. I think you're the creative and musical personification of that. Thank you, Dan, for sharing your stunning music and expertise with us. I look forward to new releases and savoring your existing catalog of music. Tell us, where can our listeners find your amazing music and also find out more about you and how to contact you? Thank you as well, Michael, for having me on the podcast. I am on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere digitally. I'm on Instagram, Dan Fontaine Music. Um, that's probably the best place to, to get me or if you want to email me at dan at danfontainemusic.com on YouTube as well if you want to have a look at some of the videos. Terrific. It was great being able to share my music with you and your listeners on this episode of The Style of Soundtracks. I look forward to seeing Michael on Instagram at Style Philosophers 
and of course encourage my fans to subscribe and follow his podcast as well what you're doing with jasonchiles.net is great well, thank you so much again, Dan. And the style of soundtracks is a topic that we'll be exploring periodically on Style Philosophers. So I hope you enjoyed uh, the intro into this uh, topic with Dan Fontaine. Meanwhile, please listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. You can also stream the programs on jasoncharles.net podcast networks arts and culture shows stay current with all matters style and upcoming programs by following us on instagram and facebook at style philosophers until next time this is michael paris reminding you to be confident and live by your own style philosophy Style Philosophers with host Michael Paris on jasoncharles.net For more information about Michael Paris and the Style Philosophers follow at Style Philosophers on Instagram Style Philosophers with Michael Paris is sponsored by The Bubble Collection a fragrance collection that's genderless ageless and boundless scents that are so light They'll just tease the air around you and others. Break out of your bubble, where you can dream, wonder, and create harmony. For more information about The Bubble Collection, go to thebubblecollection.com and follow them on Instagram at The Bubble Collection. JasonCharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds. That was so deep.